We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tall boy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tall boys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tall boy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the Sparkling Lime Liquid Death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9am. Seriously guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it, and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome in everybody to your Sunday preview on Pack a Day podcast, the only three hundred sixty-five day a year Packers podcast. Uh, Nick has ditched us because of baby slash Wi-Fi issues. So you're just stuck with Gage and I today. We're going to talk a little bit about maybe some positives we saw from that Bills game just very briefly and then jump right into uh, this Lions preview in what we we think is a an absolute must win for the team. Uh, Gage, a little bit before the show, 
we were talking about just our thoughts after the Bills game, like the feeling we had about the team. And you mentioned that there were some positives you took away from it. Yeah, um, they lost. Obviously, sucks. Um, I saw some negative things on offense. Uh, I did see some positives, though. Uh, Aaron Jones, obviously, huge positive. Just was getting whatever he wanted. Granted, the Bills were kind of letting that happen, but it was nice to see Green Bay give him the damn ball and to be like, oh, that's crazy when you give this guy your best offensive playmaker you have now with Devontae gone, what he can do for you. Like, he was getting whatever he wanted. I think he averaged like seven yards per carry or something crazy like that. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, My main thing that I saw, though, and I mentioned this to you, is just it looked like they cared. Specifically, it looked like Aaron cared. Uh, For the last month, month and a half, it has looked often like the team just doesn't care about winning at times. I know most people would be like, oh, well, they care. They just, you just don't see it. And it's like, no, they look like they didn't care. They look like they just rolled over and died way too much. And last week, it looked like they legitimately cared. The thing for me was the, that really told me, hey, Aaron cares was the, the Bob Tunyon play where that ref blew the call. There was, there was no way around it. Anybody that wants to tell me that that was offensive pass interference on Bob Tunyon should have been a touchdown is just, I don't know what you were watching. That was a matter of a guy that's 250 pounds versus a guy that's 200 pounds. And he's, Bob Tunyon got flagged because he was flat out just, he's bigger than the other dude. Kyrie Elam, first round pick, tripped over his own two feet and gets the flag call. They, that was classic hand fighting and then the corner just lost his footing. That's, that's, that's not offensive pass interference. Yep. The game should have been Green Bay driving down with a chance to win on their final drive. And I know people will say, oh, well, Buffalo took their foot off the gas. They were playing light. They were playing easy. I don't care. Green Bay should have been driving down with a chance to win. They should have been down 27-21 with their final, on their final possession. But yeah. Rodgers getting as fired up as he was and yelling at the ref and letting him have it, that, was, that told me there's still some care in there. Like for all of the times that we've seen Rodgers this year not really care, it was clear as day to me that the guy still still gives a shit at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that matters because that that's your that's your guy. That's your leader. He is showing you guys, hey, I'm in. I want to win. I need everybody else to jump on the train with me and let's go. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of the uh the energy there that Rodgers showed. Uh and it's easy to have that that type of energy and excitement going into a game against the Bills, the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And then on the McAfee show, he mentioned that like this was going into the Bills game was the first week that he thought they actually practiced. Their energy was right uh, and ready for a game. The first week, it took all the way up to week to week eight. Does it worry you at all going into now this game today against the Lions that are one in six? that there's not going to be that same energy and focus? Or do you think this four-game losing streak is enough to get them to just realize like, hey, what we're doing right now isn't working. We need to be focusing every practice, no matter who the opponent is. I think it's going to finally click. um, Because I think that they coasted through the first, let's call it half the season. I understand there's 17 games now, so the math doesn't exactly work out. But I think they coasted a lot. I think they were content just riding on their laurels of, Hey, we've won 13 games each of the last three years. We 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 slept walked to 13 wins last year. Like we we can just get by. No, you can't. Plain and simple. You you can't just get by, especially in this league where this season, especially, if you look at the rest of the league, it's everything is so jumbled. Everything is so close together. There's I saw it, it's been a couple of weeks ago now, but there was a 
a graphic got tweeted out. It was like a tier maker tier list. It was like on the top, you had Buffalo, Philly, and KC. Those were those three teams. And it's mm-hmm. pretty good. We'll beat most teams they play. And then there was basically everybody else. And it's like could lose to anybody any week. And that's true. There's there's so much parody this season. I mean, you look at teams. So you mentioned the the Lions are one and six. Mm-hmm. The Lions are one and six, but they also at one point were like first in the NFL in points per game. They were also first points per game allowed, but they were like first in points per game. Every team, it seems, can win on any given week. So you have the Patriots are four and four. They you have the Raiders are two and five, but they have they only have a minus nine point differential. The Titans are five and two with a minus six point differential. And like obviously that's largely tied to just getting blasted by the Bills, but they're right there. The Texans are one six and one. They're pretty much a bad team. The Jaguars two and six. What do you think their point differential is? Oh, I honestly, I have. No they're idea. two and six. Negative four. I don't know. They're plus fourteen. Really? Yeah, because remember they blasted the Chargers in like oh, week two, yeah, one yeah, by like thirty. Yeah. yeah. But you look around and there's all these teams are all just right. They're very close together. And it's just, it's crazy how literally any team can win on any given week at this point. Like the Saints are minus one, but they're three and five. It's just, everybody's so close. And so you can't sleepwalk through this season because teams will get up and get you. And there's so much talent across the entire league. Yeah. And like you said, unfortunately, it seemed like the Packers were sleepwalking through the first, uh, Seven games of the season. Woke up a little bit last week against the Bills. Uh, looking ahead to today's game, we have five people questionable right now. David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Alan Lazard, Preston Smith, and Christian Watson. Uh, Devondre Campbell already ruled out because of his knee injury. But uh, just yesterday, today as we're recording, uh, Chris Barnes was activated off of IR. So should be making his appearance, hopefully. Uh, that linebacker room definitely needs it. Uh, with the injury to Devondre Campbell. But looking at the players that are questionable right there, I guess the big ones for me, looking at David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, both both questionable. Uh, Bakhtiari only had limited practice on Friday. Elton Jenkins, on the other hand, after missing last week, had limited practice Thursday and Friday. Uh, do they both play? Just Jenkins, what, what's your gut feeling right now? Uh, gut feeling is I think they both suit up. Um, I think Jenkins is the one I'm more confident in just because Bakhtiari seems to be the one that's really struggling to get back from his, from his injury. Uh, just like, obviously he was out, what was it? Two weeks ago now. Uh, it was like kind of a surprise inactive thing. Um, Elton is, I think Elton's back. I think that he's dealing more with like new injuries necessarily Mm -hmm. compared to old injuries. Obviously he's out currently dealing with knee slash foot injuries. So that's, he is recovered from last year. Foot is a new thing. Um, but I, I think Dave is the one I'm more questionable on just because it seems like he's really like whatever he has is just really bothering him. I just don't know if it's a confidence thing. Like he just, he can't quite get his feet under him as he's used to versus if he's, it sounds bad versus if he's actually dealing with an injury. Like, I'm not trying to say like, I'm questioning his toughness or I'm questioning if he actually has an injury it, but it could just be, it's a mental thing. I don't, but I don't know. I'm just operating off of how I'm viewing things. And he just seems like he's not quite feeling like he wants to. Elton is questionable. I think he's going to play. And then, like, if I'm looking at the injury report, mm-hmm. Preston's thing seems like it might be a, a nerve issue. Yeah. Um, with like, shoulder with it being a shoulder slash neck injury, obviously, yep. there's a ton of nerves in that area. 
And generally, if you have a nerve issue in your shoulder, it's going to affect your neck too. Just that's the way it's the way the body works. And we'll be like, oh, well, it could just be two separate injuries. I doubt it. I d- I'm sure it's probably like a pinch nerve that is going to bother his shoulder and his neck to where if he turns the right way or tries to lift in a certain direction, it's going to be a little awkward to play through. The two that I'm most concerned about are definitely Christian Watson, who's questionable with concussion, and then uh, Alan Lazard, who practiced all three days in limited fashion, but uh, he has not been cleared yet. So yeah. we probably won't find out until about, uh, what was it? What will it be? It'll be 1130 Eastern time um, today as we're as you guys are hearing this. Yeah. No, I'm definitely with you. I gut feeling going back to Jenkins and Bakhtiari, I think they both will play. Definitely more confident with Jenkins. Uh, part that's and this, I feel like this has been the Packers thing for the last few seasons is they never have their ideal five starting offensive linemen out there. Even after now that they made the switch to their new lineup, moving Jenkins back to left guard, they haven't had a game yet with Bakhtiari and Jenkins there. Bakhtiari missing two weeks ago, Jenkins missing last week. So it'd be nice to kind of get their their ideal five out there right now. We'll see if that happens this week or see if that happens today. Uh, between Lazard and Watson, I'm more confident in Lazard just because it's a shoulder injury compared to concussion. I would love to have Christian Watson out there. Uh, we heard last week LaFleur and Rogers both said they had a few plays designed specifically for Christian Watson. Uh, we saw in the play he got injured that little um, that little short pass that he was able to gain like nine, 10 yards on. He's just fast. He's a different level of speed that the offense is definitely missing. Hopefully they can uh, get some of these guys back. If they don't, however, are you confident Samari Toure could have another game like he did last week? Or do you think that was just a uh, right time, right place for him? You know, so in regards to Samari Toure, so I have a, so for those that don't know, like if you guys are new here, I bet a fair amount. I have a friend of mine who is a big believer in betting uh, based on what's called EV or expected value. If he sees a line that is very different from the majority of other books, he's just going to bet it just out of principle. Toure was a to score anytime was plus 2200. So basically, if you bet $100, you win $2200. That's that's very good. On basically any other book, he was around plus 700. So bet 100 to win 700. Obviously, very large amount of value there. He sends me the screenshot of the plus 2200, I'd say about an hour before game time. And I'm like, there's no shot. Like, there's no shot he's scoring. I was like, I'm trying to save you money. There's no shot. And then two race scores. And my only thought is, all right, well, what the hell do I know? Did I he, mean, I've sit here, I've, I've watched Rodgers for 15 years. Oh, I didn't bet on it. He did. He did. Though. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no, he did. He was, okay. he was, he was going to bet it regardless of what I said. He okay. was just asking for my opinion, knowing I'm a Packer fan. But I told yeah. him, I'm like, Rodgers doesn't like rookies, doesn't like young guys. He never has. Like that's, that's his whole thing for his entire career. Now that has been the way of his world of you're a rookie, you're a young guy. I don't trust you. You don't know what I want you to do. And then, of course, he goes out and he does things. And then there's the whole, oh, I told him a few weeks ago, you're too good to be a healthy scratch. In my mind, when I heard that, I wanted to be like, hey, Aaron, you probably have some impact. If you yeah. like a guy, you could probably go tell Matt to play, to play that guy. You yeah. could probably do that. Like, you might That's not be able to say, hey, go story. trade a first-round pick for DJ Moore. But you could probably be like, hey, can we start, can we get this, like, seventh-round rookie or whatever round to raise from and keep him just active, just on the roster? Yeah. And that's that's how Alan Lazard got his start. Like when he went into that Lions game, it's because Rogers specifically asked for him at that point. 
because I don't know if someone made a mistake, but he said, yeah, give, give Lazard a shot. And then obviously the rest is history there. So like you said, he definitely has some say. So if he's too good to be a healthy scratch, then speak up a little bit, big dog. Like what, what are you doing? Yeah, so I think that Toure, uh, I think he can make an impact in the event that Lazard's not able to go or if let's say Lazard can't, or let's say if Lazard goes, Watson doesn't. Toure, like I think Toure flashed and I'm hoping it's not just the flash in the pan. I mean, if Rogers yeah. calls you out by name, we know that that matters. I mean, yep. he called out Jake Kumaro, and then now Jake Kumaro is not on the green on the Packers, so Toure is probably going to get traded. Or well, he's probably going to get released. Yeah, uh, in the next week after um, he has like a two touchdown game. Yeah, yeah, he'll get released. He'll go to the Bills and he'll score two touchdowns first game. That'll be exactly what happens. But no, I think that I think he can do things. I think that Rogers is going to want to get like as much as he can out of him. But I, the guy I'm looking for is Aaron Jones. That is the that is the bell cow. I there is no reason. That Aaron Jones should have less than a hundred total yards today. There's, there's no reason. This Lions defense is hashtag bad. They can't stop the run at all. They are thirty. They can't stop the pass either. They are thirty second in run and pass DVOA on defense. They're not good. Uh, They, they just got lit up by like Justin Fields and Khalil Herbert both scored touchdowns. David Montgomery, I think, had fifty yards on the day. They can't stop anybody. Aaron Jones needs to be featured. Early and often, none of this. Oh, he had seven touches on his first on the first twelve plays, and then doesn't touch the ball again for three quarters. Get in the ball and just ride the horse. The horse you saw what the horse can do last week. Don't put it back in the barn. Yeah, no, I'm hundred percent with you. My one thing is, we saw what Tua could look like or look like last week uh, against this Lions defense, and he granted he has Tyree Kill. And Jalen Waddle. I was like, there's a very much, slight difference in the weapons yeah, he's throwing to. Much the, better. The, the guys that Tua's throwing to run four three. The guy yeah. that Rogers throwing to don't run four three. No, exactly. But the thing I'm saying is, it, this is a defense where our run game has been, whether we use it or not this season. When we have Jones, has been absolutely incredible. This could be a great game for this passing offense to just get some sort of chemistry, some sort of rhythm going. Because as we've mentioned before the show too. This is a must-win game, and if we want to have success through the rest of the year, this run game is great, and we can definitely play off it for the passing game, but at some point, this passing game needs to start going. It has to, and this is the perfect week. A team that just fired their defensive back coach, a team, like you said, is last in passing DVOA. Like this And is the running time to, DVOA. They're, just, running. they're last. They're last they in everything. Yeah, they suck. There's no really other way around it. This is a horrible defense. This is the time for Rodgers to build that chemistry with the receivers get some momentum, get some rhythm, and carry a, carry that into a schedule that's going to be tough in the next, this back half of the season. What was it, like fifth hardest uh, strength of schedule to end the year? Like, this is the game to get everything going right now. Get some chemistry with Dobbs. Toure could have maybe another game where he, he makes an impact. It doesn't have to be a big touchdown like he had last week against the Bills, but just something in this passing offense to get going against just an abysmal defense. Uh, I'm 100% with you. And if Aaron Jones, I think they can do that, and Aaron Jones still gets over 100 total yards. Like, let's just have this be an onslaught 2011 Packers offense just going crazy. I'll cry tears of joys. So real quick, in terms of a remaining strength of schedule, uh, per Tankathon, which uses just, like, winning percentages, uh, Green Bay has the sixth hardest remaining strength of schedule. They play uh, uh, Philly, Minnesota, Dallas, Tennessee, and Miami, all of which have winning records. And then their easiest opponents are two games against Detroit, one game against Chicago, and then, funnily enough, one game against the Rams. I think that's objectively <laughs> funny to see the Rams on the easiest 
schedule. Just I, like it's based yeah. on win percentage, so that's why. By yeah. the way, so we one thing that I wanted to look at. So Green Bay, like their run offense has been good this year, right? Or specifically, Aaron Jones has been good. Yes. So they're ninth by DVOA in, in like running the ball. If you had to take a guess, what do you think their their passing DVOA offense is? Hello, friends. By now, you've heard me talk about the new brand of water that looks like tall boys of beer, Liquid Death. This crisp, refreshing mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors is by far and away the best brand of water on the market. One of my favorite aspects of Liquid Death is that most water companies use plastic bottles, which is beyond terrible for the environment. Most of the plastic you throw into a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. But aluminum is infinitely recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities, hence why Liquid Death uses aluminum cans. Most importantly, the water tastes great. I can't get enough of the lime sparkling water and my family has been drinking them nonstop. It's always fun seeing our sons get crazy looks as they are downing tall boys out in public as well. If you haven't tried Liquid Death yet, what are you waiting for? You can get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or find a Liquid Death retailer near you using their store locator at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 21? 12th. No, seriously? Yes. So, real quick, this is why advanced stats are, are confusing to me sometimes. I'm like... That doesn't match uh, the eye you, test. What are you guys basing this on? Because I I haven't seen the twelfth best passing offense. Like so, looking at teams that they are ahead of in passing DVOA, Cincinnati, uh, Detroit, Dallas, Minnesota. Uh, let's see who else. The Raiders. Uh, I'm trying to find like other uh, the Cardinals. So like I mean, there's a lot of teams behind them that it makes sense. Like Jacksonville, uh, the Giants. And you said Dallas um, the was on there too? So like there's a lot of teams behind them, but it was just it was funny to see like they're twelfth. And then you look at like the Bengals just put up like five hundred passing yards or something stupid against the Saints like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I that yeah. 
Yeah. So no, I think that I yeah I think that they can do the 2011 onslaught. Just everybody has a day. I I, they definitely can do that. But what I, I I would be perfectly perfectly content just watching Green Bay be a methodical. Yeah. And just pick you apart offense all day. So if that's a six yard gain on first down to Aaron Jones and then a seven yard slant to Dobbs or Toure or uh like seven yard out to Bob Dunyon and just dice them up, yeah. that would be okay with me. Kind of like what we saw the first two drives against the Bucks, like just methodical, whatever you throw at us, we're going to pick you apart and beat you because we have too much talent to not be better than you. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, now kind of switching over to the defensive side of the ball. The, we talked about the Packers injuries. The Lions have some as well. Uh, tackle Taylor Decker is questionable. Uh, DeAndre Swift is questionable. Josh Reynolds is doubtful. They traded away uh, TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings. So this offense, from one that at the beginning of the year was the highest scoring offense, has one, regressed, and two, is missing some of the pieces via trade, injury, whatever. Uh, what's a matchup you're looking for for this Packers defense against this Lions offense? Uh, I mean, it's got to be Amon Ross St. Brown, right? I mean, yeah. in the last two weeks, uh, they've Green Bay has gotten lit up by Terry McLaurin and Stephon Diggs had a really good day um, against them last week. He had, I believe, eight targets, six catches for 104 yards and a touchdown. It was 104, 108, something like that. I know he cleared 100 yards. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is now the guy in this the Lions passing attack. With Hawkinson gone, it is clearly it is Amon Ra's offense, and it's they're going to try and play through him. Obviously, guys like Khalif Raymond uh, and Craig or Josh Reynolds uh, will get touches. I can't remember if DJ Chark is active or not. He's not really put up a ton of stats this year, so I yeah. can't remember if he's hurt or if he's and just Reynolds not doing is probably anything. Probably not playing. Uh, so there. So that's the guy I'm watching. Um, additionally, Jamal Williams. Um, guys yeah. like to have good revenge games against Green Bay. Uh, Jamal had a, I think, a decent day against them last year in the first matchup. Uh, DeAndre Swift, I don't think he's going to play this week. I would be yeah, I don't pretty think surprised. So I mean, he's questionable. He was limited on Thursday and Friday. Um, I know that we heard some comments from him say, where he said, I think it was Friday, that he said to the media, I probably won't be 100% at all this year. Don't love hearing that yeah. if, if for like fantasy and betting purposes. It just it sucks to ever he- hear a guy say, yeah, no, I'm probably not going to be 100% this year. So. I feel like Jamal, that's I think can, Jamal can have a good day, and he's the guy that scares me a lot because he is the type of runner that gives Green Bay fits because mm-hmm. he breaks tackles. He's not a he's not a great receiver, but he's not a he's he's a decent receiver out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. He can just give you fits all day where you're like, yeah, no, we're gonna have a good day, and then Detroit holds the ball for 35 minutes, yeah, and just yeah. wears your defense out, and then it's the fourth quarter, and then you lose by three because your defense is worn out because your offense couldn't stay on the field and the defense couldn't get off the field. That's what. That's what worries me about this. So obviously St. Brown, um, actually to hit on that real quick, the thing that has pissed me off and I'm not the only fan, obviously people are saying it every week since week one, but we finally saw Jair follow somebody against the Jets against Garrett Wilson, followed him, completely made him non-impactful for that game. And then we decide, you know what? Let's not have him go on, on Stefan Diggs last week. He destroys us. And now this week we have St. Brown, not on the level that Stefan Diggs is, of course, but a very talented young receiver. Just have Jair follow him. Just in fairness, they did have Jair shadows. They did have Jair shadow and Gabe Davis. Or at least they had him on him a lot. And Gabe Davis didn't do much. Gabe Davis only had like one catch. 
So put that on their best receiver for once. We saw that with Garrett Wilson. Just why is that the receiver you do it with? That's what's so mind blowing. I think it's I think it's an outside versus inside thing. I don't know if Jair just doesn't, which is weird because Jair seems like a like a put your face in the fan type guy. Like he doesn't. I don't know if that's just a new thing. Like it seemed like he's always been the pit bull, really get in your face, not have an issue with that. But it seems like whenever they can give him somebody to shadow. It's they have him shadow the outside guy, which Detroit does this as well. To some extent, they have Jeff Akuda generally takes like he takes the number one guy a lot. But mm-hmm. there's also some weeks where he just shadows the best outside guy. Like he can yeah. go into the slot. He's done it. He did it against Justin Jefferson earlier this year, had a very, very good game. But he also sometimes will just sh- shadow the outside guy. And Green Bay seems to be doing that a lot this year where we're like, would you just have him shadow the number one guy already? Damn yeah. it. Stop. Just, all they're oh, well, do is the just... number one went in a slot, so Jair can't cover him in there. No, we did just oh. put him in there. Okay, figure it out. That's such an easy fix for that offense to do against a defense then. You know what I mean? If they're not going to just have him follow him to the slot, it's just, oh, okay, let's just put our best. Obviously, it takes a different type of receiver. Not every receiver can play outside in slot, but if you have a talented one that can do slot as well or play slot as well, like that's an easy fix that an offense is going to do to try to beat this defense it's super frustrating um the thing that has me i don't want to say worried but dan campbell very seems old school coach of just he's going to see this packer defense struggles against the run he loves to run the ball he's just going to pound it down our throats like you mentioned before keeping a lot keeping the ball time of possession winning that battle tiring out the defense um Obviously, they still have Jared Goff, so if we don't get picks for a third week in a row, I'll be pretty bummed out. But uh, I could see him just really relying on that run, trying to wear out this defense, trying to break a big run that it seems every team can do on us and has done on us. Uh, so that's something I'm definitely going to be looking for, who kind of steps up on in the run game, especially with Devondre out, albeit he hasn't played like the all-pro Devondre, but he's still a very talented player. We'll see what Quay Walker can do. We can see, we'll see what Chris Barnes can do. Uh, see, even seeing how much he does play if he does. Uh, but this is going to be a big Quay Walker game. He's going to have the headset. He's going to be in charge of that defense. Um, hopefully he can keep his cool and not push any, uh, any people on the sideline this week. But the one thing I'm worried about with that is with rookies, we see this a lot of, they overthink and it makes them just a step behind. And now if he has this added responsibility of being that guy on the defense, you're calling the shots. Is it going to make him overthink and not play up, not play as fast as he can and just make him question the decisions that he's making? Who knows if it will, it might have no effect on him whatsoever and maybe even boost him up because he has added responsibility. Uh, Just something I'll be watching for today. Uh, You have any other thoughts on this Packers Packers defense going against the Lions? No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it, I do think it'll be a big Quay Walker game. Uh, and in regards to your, you made the comment that it seems you have guys like rookies tend to like be a step slow because they're thinking too much. And it's one of the reasons why uh, rookie pass rushers tend to do a little bit better and catch on a little quicker than other positions like rookie corners, rookie safeties, linebackers. You have to you have to think more versus as a rookie pass rusher. Your job is, hey, you see that guy back there with the ball? Yeah. Okay. Go hit that guy. That's all. That's, that's your whole thought process. Yeah. Especially like, that's why like Bradley Chubb is like, just got traded to Miami. He's obviously not a rookie, but it's a new system to him. So he's a rookie in this system. It's, yep. Hey, we're not going to have you on the field all the time. We're going to have you on the field on third downs. You're in obvious passing situations. Your job's going to be, go get the guy with the ball. That's going to be the whole thing. And Quay Walker 
linebacker in the middle of the field in a defense where it's where linebackers are middle linebackers are asked to do a lot in this Green Bay defense where the like the edge rushers and guys up front they're asked to do their job and then the linebackers it's hey you got to go fill in everything else if they're you got to be if the if it's pass play you got coverage responsibility or if you're spying you got to go spy the quarterback or you got to go fill fill and run defense you like you have to do a lot of stuff and it makes them think and that makes them a step slower Yep. It's just a thing that it comes with time. There's a reason got why guys generally don't hit like as rookies. Everyone assumes that just when Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase do the things they do, that everybody can just boom, hit the ground running. That's yep. not how this works. Yep. It's not how the NFL works. It's not how the NBA that's not how any sport works. Those are the exceptions to the rule. They're not the rule. Quay Walker yep. is going to take time. He was always going to take time. That was why it made more sense with Devondre Campbell there. Everyone's like, well, it's weird. Why would you draft another one? You just paid Devondre Campbell. That's why that's why, because Quay Walker is going to take a couple of years or like a, at least a year to be fully ready to hit the ground running and be the alpha dog in the middle. Now you're going now you have him and now he has to, now he's going to have to step up and the Lions don't run the most exotic offense, but they can do things that kind of throw him off, get him like get him moving the wrong way, get his eyes moving. If the Lions don't use a ton of eye candy like motion tomorrow, they're the only person they're hurting is themselves there. Yep. Make linebackers, especially young linebackers, think more, and you're just, it automatically boosts your EPA. I'm not sure the exact metric of it because I don't have it pulled up, but your expected production per play when you have motion is automatically increased. And when you have a rookie linebacker as your signal caller for the first time of his career, it, I can only imagine how much more it'll help. So Quay yep. is going to, as you said, needs to have a big game in this situation because, like we talked about, this is a must win game. I think Green Bay can Green Bay wins, but this is a must-win game for them. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get into predictions, the last thing that I'm going to add for this defense is uh, obviously we talked about during the injury report. Preston Smith is questionable, so let's say he plays. If he's on a snap count, if he needs to take some time out, this could be a very big Kingsley game. Uh, seeing what he can do in the run game, we've seen he's already had uh, what is it? I believe two sacks already this season. I could be for sure one. Uh, so seeing what he can do. It could be a big time for him to step up as well, or even just getting that experience with what I assume is the game that Preston Smith isn't going to play as many snaps as we've seen him in the last few weeks, just due to that neck and shoulder injury um, that he that he has coming into this t- coming into today's game. Uh, but let's go ahead and wrap it up here. We're, we're coming on to about thirty minutes, so we both said this is a must-win game for the Packers. Three and five, tougher schedule coming up. Uh, we said kind of before this for them to make the playoffs. They need to, at worst, go seven and two. Like they, they could afford two losses. Hypothetically, uh, who knows if that's how it plays out? But that's what we're kind of thinking right now. So a huge must must win game for the Packers. What do you think they do today? Uh, I think Green Bay comes out with a win. Uh, I think it's going to be closer than Packer fans want it to be, just because that's how Green Bay tends to play things. Uh, Rogers knows how to beat Detroit. He knows how to take advantage of young, aggressive corners, although Jeffrey Akuda has been very good this year. So I wouldn't test him if you don't have to, uh, mainly because the other corner, uh, I believe it's still Amani Arwarie, has been bad. Like there's, he's struggled a lot this year. I don't know if he's still the starting corner, but he has not had a good season. And just basically the, the corner that's not been Jeff Akuda has just had a rough go of things. So. That's why I said yeah. lean so heavily on Aaron Jones because this Detroit defense just can't stop the run right now. They've been getting gashed repeatedly. You can run on this team. 
I think that a couple weeks ago, Zeke and Tony Pollard combined for like 140 yards and I think two or three touchdowns apiece or like total. So you can run on this team. You can throw on this team. You can beat this team on defense because Jared Goff isn't that mobile. So you don't have to worry about him running like you did against Josh Allen. I think Green Bay comes out. I think Green Bay wins. I think they win 24-17. Okay. Um, I'm with you. I definitely think Green Bay wins this one. Uh, kind of going off the positives that they had last week. Uh, things kind of seem like they're coming together today. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go 31 to 21. Uh, I think it's going to be the score is going to be a little bit closer. I think we. I, I don't know. I have a feeling it's going to be a, a more of a dominant showing today. Uh, I hope I'm right. I don't. I really don't want to have anxiety during a Lions game, but we'll see. Uh, I think. I think they pull it off. 31 20 or 31 21. Aaron Jones, two touchdowns. Rodgers gets two touchdowns as well. Um, just for funsies, let's throw in uh, let's throw in two interceptions just because I'm feeling gracious today. Just two, 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 all out there. Uh, I thought you were implying that Rodgers is going to throw two picks, and I was like, no, 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 no. Like, you think gonna they're going to win by 10, and no. Rodgers is going to throw two picks? No, Rodgers is going to throw two touchdowns. Our defense is going to get two picks. Uh, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's going to wrap it up for our game day preview. Appreciate anyone that's still listening. Uh, Gage, you want to tell the lovely folks where they can find your work? As always, you can find me on Twitter at GBridge for NFL. All of my links to all of my work with Rotoballer and Denver Stiffs are over there. Still doing uh, generally one game preview and recap for Denver Stiffs over there per week. Uh, betting and uh, pass rush quarterback stuff comes out on Fridays and Saturdays for Rotoballer. Beautiful. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy underscore C08 Lombardi's bar every Wednesday, seven o'clock. This week we have Matt Ramage coming on, so it should be a fun show. Uh, Also with election time coming around, go ahead and make sure you get out and vote. Couldn't care less who you vote for. Not my business. You do you just go ahead and vote. Uh, Get your voice out there. Uh, You can follow Packaday at Packaday podcast on Twitter Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Get all the lovely daily videos of Andy Herman's beautiful face. Uh, hopefully, let's hope uh, the next podcast you listen to after this preview one is is a Packers victory. So appreciate everyone listening. And as always, go Pack Go.